we are back with another episode of Ladies First. I'm Corey. I have somehow suckered Diana into coming back onto this show with me. Hi. And you know how I did that, everyone. I said we'd be talking about Batwoman, specifically the CW show Batwoman, of which Diana writes all our recaps of and is our resident Batwoman fan over here at the Fundamentals. I mean, I like to show like a normal amount. No, like you don't. No, that I is don't. a bold-faced lie. <laughs> that, that, this is yeah, Ramadan. That. You're not supposed to tell lies during Ramadan. I'm sorry? Yes, I like this show a whole lot. This is the biggest um, lie I've ever heard come out of your mouth. I, I, I like to show some reasonable amount. Our Discord begs to differ. Okay, yeah. We've Speaking of Discord, it. y'all haven't come to join that, the Fundamentals Discord, you, you uh, ought to come by and say hi. We have discussions all the time, which are pretty fun, I think. Um, you can go to our site at thefandamentals.com. Uh, link in the top menu, it says community. I'll take you right there. Yes, Stop by and say hi. Come chat with us about Batwoman. Yes, and other things. We're not just about Batwoman. But, you know, we, we do talk about Batwoman. Um, anyways, yes. speaking of talking about Batwoman, the third season wrapped. It's done. Actually, I lied. It's not community in the top of the menu. It's Discord. I don't know why I lied and said this community. Corey, it's I'm Ramadan. Kidding. You're not supposed to lie. Well, I, actually, I didn't lie. I just completely forgot I changed it. <laughs> It's Discord. I mean, it's pretty hard to miss. It's in the top menu. Um, come join us and say hi and then make fun of me. Anyways, so Batwoman recently-ish wrapped up its third season. And Diana, as I mentioned, has been recapping that show for us. And we decided we were going to talk about it. Because yep. in our opinion, this show is aging like a fine wine. Oh, yes. So I think maybe we talk about the beginning so we can kind of explain the aging like a fine wine concept of initially it was going to be about the canonical comic book character Kate Kane as Batwoman and they cast Ruby Rose as Batwoman and we had our entire first season which it was a season that got made I mean it wasn't awful but it felt to me and i think it felt to diana like something was just it wasn't gelling yeah and like i enjoyed watching the first season but like comparatively to like the other issues at the time there i found myself like a lot of times going well do i want to keep up with batwoman this season do I want to? And like, there were just like little elements like that where it was not up to the standard I was expecting. I still enjoyed it. I mean, let's also talk about the elephant in the room of Sophie in season one being a closeted Black woman working for a paramilitary, super pro police, proto fasci task force called the crows while her white ex 
who was publicly out and proud and rich and could go around and do stuff was positioned as the hero. Yeah. Among a bunch of other people of color who were kind of like her sidekicks that she kind of interacted with them whenever she needed something, but not necessarily because they were, it, it, it never seemed to me it was because she necessarily cared about them more as like, well, you're useful these are the people yeah these are the people who ended up in her circle and they happened to fill like the doctor role that the superhero needs and the tech guy that the superhero needs yeah they did not feel like super friends to uh paraphrase from our super girl discussion episode They, they they didn't really feel like they were a functional unit so much as like i'm just coloring in all the spaces yeah. To have a functional show. Yeah. And like my issue with the crows in season one, well, beside being a like for profit security system, security service that somehow also seemed to do all of Gotham's policing for it when they wanted to. Like th- there was like a degree I was willing to like accept that for what it is because it's kind of like the trope in comic book media that you have some sort of law enforcement present that you just you had to have them because the city you were in was just that violent yeah narratively they tried to justify having the crows yeah like I kind of took it as like one of those like okay this has to be here for like the sake of the genre and I I won't say like perhaps that they were fully aware of like some of the like negative connotations but I think they were like trying to address some of those like darker like perhaps unintentional um what is the word I'm looking for consequences yeah of like having the yeah yeah of consequences of having the crows existed as they did because like by the towards the end of season one sophie along with julia like we're going to start a like task force to like root out the corruption in the crows but then a little thing called covid happened and season one got cut short so that storyline never ended up going anywhere which I say is to the betterment and was a happy accident because something happened between season one and season two. Yep. So, well, th- there was drama. That Ruby went Rose down. left the show. We'll, we'll yeah. just cut to the chase. Ruby Rose left the show and they had a decision to make. Do we recast Kate Kane or do we go in a different direction? And they kind of somehow said, let's do both. Yep. They recast Kate with what was her name wallace day yeah who unfortunately we later found out had some problematic tendencies with her fans yeah uh we'll get to that in a minute and then they also said we're gonna recast kate but she's not gonna be the lead anymore we're gonna go in a different direction and have a brand new character called ryan wilder who is a queer black woman Played by yep. the uh, very talented, very, how, what's the word I'm looking for? Stunt friendly 
that, that was the other issue that Ruby Rose had cited besides, I think some drama behind the set was it was too hard on her body to be doing all the stunts. And Javicia Leslie was like, I love it. Yay. She's yep. very good at it. I will say she, she kicks some booty at it. It's Ramadan. So I'm trying not to swear. <clears throat> which is lovely because I swore <laughs> at Diana before we started recording. <laughs> I'm a struggle bus today. Anyways, they record recorded. They cast the incredible Javicia Leslie as Ryan Wilder. And that just set an entirely new tone and direction for the show of, okay, we have a black queer lead. And all of a sudden, Luke and Mary don't feel like the color by numbers characters, the stock characters. Like, I've got the tech, I've got the doctor. They feel like they're becoming an actual family. And I'm not going to take this joy away from Diana talking about the Wildmore ship. So I will hand the mic over to her in just a second. But... Ryan coming in really reshifted the tone back to um, kind of down towards Earth. Yes, they still have Alice, who I I still adore Alice, but they still have Alice in that subplot of like trying to write Kate off of the show eventually and deal with that. But they really start giving attention towards Ryan stepping up as a hero and how it's different for her because she is a street level Gothamite. She has been through some crap. She's been through the system. She knows how much the system is broken, how much it sucks. And she knows how it chews up and spits out regular people, which is something Kate as a millionaire just cannot wrap her head around. Yep. And all of a sudden the focus shifts back towards we have to protect the people of Gotham, not these high swinging overarching ideas. We're here to protect the people. Yeah. Like it, and like they established that with the character, like right away. It was in like, I think the, the first, like second episode with um, Ryan, where what was happening? She had like a bomb and she was like looking for a place to like go get rid of said bomb. And Luke, says oh here is an abandoned building and she instantly goes no people use that to like sleep homeless people who have like no shelter and she's like find another place that's no good and like that's something that who just could not have known and that's something Kate would have never known I mean yeah and I think that's really what kind of draws them in is she's kind of a wake-up call of yes Luke is a black man. Yes, Mary is an Asian American woman. But they're but, still like, very privileged as far as class goes. They've never had to think about those things like Ryan has. Yeah, like they've, they've called out several times that like Mary's a technical billionaire because she inherited all her mom's wealth and Luke grew up essentially crawling around Wayne Towers always. So their experiences are very different from the average Gothamite. And I think, and this is something I just really, really enjoy about Ryan is she's a people's hero because she's not some wealthy, well-off 
trust fund kid that decided I'm going to follow in Bruce's footsteps and have these high ideals. Like ideals are fine, but ideals lose sight of the people on the ground. You know, it's like you said, they wouldn't have ever thought about, oh, if we blow up this shelter, there may be this abandoned building, there may already be people inside. And even if they're not, we're taking away a safe place for them to sleep. Right. And that's like really become like the emphasis of the bath team, like throughout season two and three, where like we are here for the people. We're doing this to protect Gotham. If we're not protecting them, what are we doing? And how are ultimately, how are you going to change Gotham by these high minded, idealistic fights against never ending stream of corporate or overlords or by empowering and protecting the people on the street level who could eventually mobilize in mass. Yeah. I think they tried to like do something to that ends with Kate, with um, the realtors, like the real estate agency that she set up with, like she was trying to make affordable housing, but still that's only going to help to a certain extent. And then like we see, Ryan and Barry in season two get really involved in a community center Mm -hmm. and they actively like put funds into that because that is helping people at the ground level that that's immediate impact and I think and that's this is when I think I really fell in love with Mary and like I enjoyed her in season one I felt bad for her because she just really kept trying to have a relationship with Kate and Kate was like okay well, I need you for this, but I don't need you anymore. So I'll come back whenever I need something. Oh, too bad your mom died. You know? Yeah. And I really feel like Mary was kind of the first one, even before Luke, to realize that, you know, when Ryan was dressing them down, Ryan was right. Oh, yeah. Like, and Luke she was really was the first finished. one to be like, no, we need to give her a chance and bring her in because she's got a point. Yeah, Luke was resistant to the idea of Ryan at first. He was very much, okay, you get to wear the suit for now at first. Until like he eventually came around and realized like, oh no, yeah, she is the right person for the job. But Mary was like, no, nah, she... Brian, I support her. She's got my back. I got her back. Mm -hmm. Fully. So, I mean, and it really felt like they became a family unit. And this is something I enjoyed of like with Alice. I am so happy they did not lose Alice when we lost Ruby Rose as Kate. Because Alice is just such a joy of a chaos, walking chaos bomb. Like we have character tropes on the fundamentals and she is like classic example of an anarchist. But they managed to tweak her character in the sense that she's a chaos agent who is helpful to the team while also getting on their last nerve in ways that endlessly delights me. Oh, yeah. Like, it could have been so easy to, like, stumble with what to do with Alice. But I loved how they, like, tied her in, especially in season three, where it's like, oh, we have to work together. So... Alice is going to work, is going to be reluctant, but she's going to sass everyone at every chance she gets. And that like brings out some really fun dynamics in the characters that wouldn't exist otherwise. Like there is a whole scene 
where an inebriated Alice is driving the Batmobile because Ryan is too nervous to be in a room with Sophie right then. And Speaking Alice- of Sophie. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Sophie and Alice in season three, when, because, and here's what I really like about the new Bat team is they're pro-rehabilitative and restorative justice. And yep. this comes at a pretty high personal cost for Ryan because she lost Mama Cora to Alice's goons. Yep. So she, she she's like having to dig deep and realize like this is somebody who had some really horrendous stuff happen to her and there is still some light in her that she's trying to claw her way back and it's not fair if we just leave her in Arkham, which also, Kate, that's a dick move to put your sister back in Arkham. When you know, like, so much of her trauma came from those settings. Like, what? Sorry. Anyways, Ryan and the new focus on, like, restorative rehabilitative justice is more of, okay, there is something in her that's worth trying to help. And even Mary, at the end of season three, she's like, there's a specific treatment center that specializes in helping trauma victims. I've got, I got you a place in there. They can help you. It's not, oh, we're going to go put her in Arkham. It's here's a place that can genuinely give you help if you want to go. Yeah. And I do love that they all, but especially like Ryan, they push her to say like, this is not going to be an easy road and you need to want this because Alice being Alice wanted to take the easy way out. Because we had a MacGuffin this season where the Joker's joy buzzer could rewire. Wow, words. We rewire. Wow, re, re, that is who made that word? Reconfigure. <laughs> Reconfigure your brain so you're not. <laughs> we can do words well. Yep. We're writers, not speakers. <laughs> We're not the actors here. I mean, I can't write either, but that's beside the point. We had the Joker. (laughs) We had the Joy Buzzer this season, and there was like a bit of a scuffle on like using it on Alice because it could fix your brain apparently from trauma. And Alice, very understandably, was like, well, this is like a, a one and done two seconds, and I'm good to go fix. And she wanted that, but then Ryan points out to her that no, you need to do the hard work. You need to put it in. And like throughout season three, like you kind of see Alice do this back and forth of where she understands that she needs help. And she starts, like, she realizes not only does she need help, but she wants help. She mm-hmm. wants to change. And you see that internal struggle of of like, well, can I do it? What if I do this and I fail? Early on in the season, in the Killer Croc episode, Alice and Ryan are looking for a little girl in the sewers. Alice takes the first chance she gets to escape. But while she's escaping, she runs into the little girl who was injured by the Killer Croc and can't move too quickly. And she has to make a decision of, well, do I help this little girl or do I save myself? 
and early on in the episode, she like clearly pointed out that she was that little girl who was taken by the big bad villain and she was just left to waste away and everyone forgot about her. And she like made it clear that she was not going to do that to that little girl. That's why she was there helping Ryan. And when the moment came, she could not be that hero because no one was that hero for her. She didn't know how to be that hero. And like, that was like a really heartbreaking moment then, but you understood she was not in that place yet to go, oh, I can be this hero, even though no one was that hero for me, because she just did not have the support system in place to put those like pieces together. And that's what I really loved about Batfam was because they were like, we can't leave her in Arkham. And she did move in with Sophie, which, by the way, that is some of the best snarky sass of the entire season. <laughs> oh, because yeah. Sophie is so over her BS. Um, but the fact that they did acknowledge her humanity and they did acknowledge her trauma and they didn't give her a pass for the things she did wrong. But they also owned, you know, what happened to you wasn't right. And they did encourage her when she was doing the right thing. And especially uh, season three, her bond with Mary. When Mary was infected with the poison ivy thing, spore, whatever. And she's on her own little path to villainy. And Mary really kind of develops a sisterly bond with her of like, she is really trying to look out for her. And especially when Mary's like, I have to go to, I got to go see poison ivy and, and, Alice is just like, what? Nope. No, we don't. We don't go see the big bad villain. Yeah, she, she Poison Ivy is again borrowing from some of the tropes we use, specif- specifically on the fundamentals. Is death. She's the big bad. I mean, they show it very well, uh, and Bridget Reagan did such a good job with that too for the episodes they had her. Like, she wiped the floor with the Bat Team. Yeah. without even she, breaking a sweat at like a fraction of her power yeah she she was oh god what what was the word sahara used hail sahara used like some really great phrase to describe her but it was episode she was like depowered but yeah and it and again it goes back to how the team is about restorative of bruce got with Renee and tricked her and essentially like kind of mummified her and left her to rot, which also again, Bruce, what the heck? She is understandably PO'd. Yeah. Honestly, her crusade is not a bad crusade, but Renee feeling so guilty after all these years uses Sophie. (laughs) So we haven't even mentioned. We'll Renee get to yet. that in just a second. We'll get. To, I, I'm going to let Diana go over all this in just a second. But Renee, and also Renee is a woman of color, and Renee Montoya frees Pam, works with the Bat Team, and the Bat Team. Long story short, like we will let you go on the island of um, Sappho, Lesbos, something. <laughs> That, that is what I have been calling it, the discount Isle of Lesbos. It's um, Coriana. 
Yeah, Corey, on, I, I've read so many of Diana's recaps. It's just in my <laughs> head as a less post. I'm like, I don't think that's it. But they let them go to that island and be free. And, you know, also let Renee and Pam work their own stuff out because Pam was just way forgiving of Renee, in my opinion. You know, whatever, whatever. It's neither here or there. But again, again, with the restorative justice, they realized Pamela is not really wrong. She's just rather violent about her methods. And also what Bruce did really was cruel. Yeah. And like, let, let's be honest, they probably did not have the facilities to hold someone as powerful as Pam anyway. So they just let her, they let them go on their own, make their own little island paradise and figure their stuff out. I mean, I'm pretty sure Pam could figure out how to get off that island, but they're trusting in them that they'll take that second chance. Yeah. Like they have, it's about having faith in people. And speaking of having faith in people, somebody having faith in Ryan and being there for Ryan in a way Ryan has never had before. Why don't I turn the mic over to you, Diana, and you can talk about the couple du jour. <laughs> oh God. See, I've talked about them so much already and like my mind's blank now. So we got a bit of a romance this season. A bit. That's been, yeah, just a bit. That's been building for the past two seasons. And so fun fact about Wild Moon. Going into season two, I mentioned this to you before. Before we even ever met Ryan, I was like, I really don't know if they could like possibly write Sophie to a place where it's believable that she could fall in love with like two Batwomen without making it seem like, oh, she just has a thing for superheroes in, I want to say leather, but it's technically not leather in canon, but it's like leather in real life. So she has a thing for superheroes in leather. And the writers, it's like they heard you and said, challenge accepted. Oh, yeah, because it, it took no time at all. It's like it was episode eight in season two. That, that scene on Coriana where Brian is dying from kryptonite poisoning. And it looks like they've lost any form of like a cure for her. She asked Sophie to sit down with her and... Before this point, these two characters they really haven't been nice to each other. Like, Ryan doesn't trust Sophie as far as she can show her at this point because she's a crow. And Sophie, I think at this point, just kind of sees the reminder of this person who isn't Kate every time she looks at Batwoman at that point. But they just sit down and they have this moment where they're just kind of vulnerable with each other because... They have no reason not to be. They both think this is going to be Ryan's last moment. So they just open up to each other a little bit. And in that moment, I'm like, oh, no, I ship it. <laughs> I ship it. And I don't know if it's going to happen. Damn it. Thankfully, like by the end of season two, I was pretty sure it was going to happen. But at that, like, at that point, it was like still kind of up in the air if they were going to. Go that, that was, that was the moment where after she realized Ryan wasn't going to die, I think Sophie caught the feelings and kind of had an inkling that she had caught the feelings. 
whether she wanted to admit it or not is another story. Yeah, I, 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 like, I personally had counted that she, like, really, like, starts to, like, catch feelings when she's working with Ryan to, like, look for Angelique. Okay, can I say something controversial here? Please do. Ryan and Sophie are a canon lesbian slash queer lady ship. Uh-huh. I love them. <laughs> Sophie, when she found out Ryan was Batwoman, did not freak out, torture Ryan, and try to lobotomize the entire planet. Lena. <laughs> I'm just saying. I am just saying. Sophie's reaction was, you know what? We did not get off on the right foot. This was not her choice for me to know this information. I want to earn it from her. That was yep. the queen's reaction. I mean, we, we talk about the character tropes we have, like, you know, there's your primary trait and your secondary trait. And we've both talked about, you know, Sophie is a dutiful princess. Oh, like a hundred percent true and true. And I almost wanted to give her the tactician secondary, but she really just does share a secondary trait with Ryan, which I think makes them compatible so well. Is like, I think they both have as a secondary trait is they're the king of like, they will take that on. They will show up. They are that quote unquote B word. <laughs> Remember, I'm not swearing. Or I'm trying not to swear, but you know, that that's the type of the, the archetype of the King character. Heavy is the head that wears the crown of like, I will show up because yeah. it's the right thing to do. And she knows the right way to go about this is like, she wants to do this with Ryan the right way. She wants to earn her trust. And she also, I think, and this is why I love this relationship. And I've talked about this endlessly with, with Diana of Ryan craves some kind of stable connection like somebody who is going to show up for her because up until now she's never really had that and the one person she did was murdered Mm -hmm. and sophie is what's that american like a rock i think it's a chevy truck like a rock you're asking the wrong girl. Yeah, I know. I'm asking the wrong. Our, our U.S. listeners are probably like, oh, no, it's Ford. And I'm like, it might not be Ford. It might be Chevy. But there was a truck commercial that had a jingle. It was like, like a rock. And like, that is what Sophie is. Sophie shows up, period. And that is, to me, I think is what I love about them is because Sophie is that character for Ryan. She is that person for Ryan, that person that is her rock, that is stable, is going to show up, is not going to bolt. And Sophie just really wants somebody who acknowledges that and is willing to work at it with her. And I'm sorry, but Kate was never going to be that character. No, she wasn't. Kate being the chaotic gremlin she is and i say this with some measure of affection like she's 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 too head in the clouds on what she wants to do she is nowhere near ready to settle down 
Sophie like- deserves somebody who appreciates what she brings to the table and wants the same thing she does. And Ryan appreciates what she brings to the table and she wants the same things, even if she was scared to admit it at first, that Sophie does. Yep. And like, to like dip a little bit into some of the fandom discourse, like throughout the last two seasons, I've seen a certain sect of the fandom saying things like, oh, no, but Sophie was Kate's. Like, first of all, no. No, That's she wasn't. Do you, uh, did they? Re- oh, okay, I'm sorry. There, I, there I'm is. just now hearing this. I'm like, do you understand how bad that sounds when you pull back and look at the context of a black woman belongs to a white lady? Yeah. Yeah. Like, e- even like tr- ignoring the optics of the phrasing, like, there is no precedent for that. In the comics, and you might know the comics a bit better than I do, but like in the comics, Sophie is not Kate's big love. It's Renee Montoya and um, Maggie, Maggie Sawyer, Sawyer, depending on like the depending on reading. who is in charge of DC that lets her have a girlfriend for any extended amount of time. Yeah, and well, in the Arrowverse, they obviously weren't gonna touch Maggie Sawyer again even if like crisis gave them a chance to reboot that character, they were not going to touch that character again. And well, we learn now that Renee in this continuity has her heart set on someone else. And in season one of Batwoman, they really didn't make a compelling case for like why Kate and Sophie should be together. She was the old flame and they tried creating tension, but And here's the other thing. Sophie's character development after Ryan became Batwoman and after Ryan entered the series, so much better than anything she got in season one. Yeah, like in season one, she was like caught being pulled between Kate and Julia and just did not do service to her as a character. After Ryan came on board, I think, I feel like they did a lot of fat trimming with characters that, by the end of season two, if they weren't really contributing to it, they were gone. Like Kate's yeah. dad is gone. Julia is pretty much gone. Yeah. And they like refocus on the characters they want to like really invest in being Brian, Sophie, Luke and Mary and like and Alice. And in season three, we actually get to and here's what I just I really love of like they were just like, yes, you know what? We're going to have a main team that is outside of Alice. They are all characters of color. Yeah. And we are going to write for them and specifically for them. And in season three, we get to see Ryan's family that she didn't even know about. And we got to meet Mama Jada, whom I love. Played by the astounding Robin Robin Gibbons. Gibbons. And I mean, Robin Gibbons is just a diamond of a talent. And she doesn't always get the material that lives up to her talent. But man, in Batwoman, some of the stuff they gave her to her and Javicia to really work through is like two black women, mother and daughter really going into those dynamics and this is just stuff you don't you've never gotten to see in superhero tv before yeah like there are so many scenes early season when like 
you can see that Jada has so many layers going on. Like, just so much. I, like, comment on it, like, multiple times in my recaps. Like, something I try not to do is, like, mention the same thing over and over. But, like, every time she's so good, I'm like, no, I need to mention it again. Mm-hmm. Because it's that good. It's Robin Givens. They brought in Robin Givens and gave her good material to work with. And they got magic. I'm just saying. That's that's all I'm saying. I'm like, am, am I saying I'm team more Robin Givens? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Do I think, do I want team Batwoman to have Mama Bat now, who basically essentially adopts all of them without them realizing it? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. That, that would be great. Like, they, they need a mom figure. Like, look at all of them. Like, they need someone. <laughs> They've all, like, are all, like, have lost a parent in some way. Or, like, very desperately missing a parent, parental figure in their life. Mm-hmm. And she would just be able to fill that so wonderfully well. And I just love of how her relationship with Ryan developed this season Towards the end, it's, she's like, I have lost so many opportunities with people because I was afraid of letting them in. Do not make that mistake with me. And basically all but shoved her in, right into Sophie's waiting arms, which again, I love them. I love them so much. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I want to talk about Belgi, but before we get into that, I want to like go back a bit to something you mentioned about we haven't gotten stuff like this in like comic book material like shows before and something I've noticed a little bit in season two and it's happened a bit more in season three is there is code switching mm-hmm. in my CW Arrowverse show what like and what I love about it is like it never becomes like a Tyler Perry script but there are just like ways that like Sophie or Ryan or like Jordan when she's on, like the way they will like hit the inflections on some words that you didn't think it would be like that big of a deal to, to hear someone go, girl, in the way they do, but oh my God, it hits. It hits sometimes. And oh God, we also got a, a bit of it in Armageddon when Ryan got to go be Iris's best friend in the future 10 years down the road. Mm-hmm. So speaking of, this show, it feels like it really made a commitment to, you know, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it right. Or, you know, as well as we can, we're going to try to do it right. And like what you're talking about, it it's, provided a show and a space that didn't really exist before for you know women of color and especially black women having those lead roles and having those moments and then there's fandom not necessarily the batwoman fandom but maybe a certain ship fandom of two white women that maybe don't quite know how to stay in their lane and really, really need to. So, hey, it's Corey and Diana talking right now. If you are Supercorp fandom, you, you, you've probably, like, know not 
that we're not going to be like the nicest to y'all. So if y'all are scared somehow and you want to duck out now, please do. And, you know, if you're one of the uh, Supercore fandom that are like, I know exactly what you're talking about, you know, yeah, and you're not going to be offended by what we say, then, you know, feel free to keep on listening. But yeah. if 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 you think if your hackles are already starting to raise a little bit, maybe just now's the time to dip out of the episode. We appreciate you listening up until now. We would like for you to have an overall positive opinion of this episode. And we're just giving you that off ramp. Okay, you had your chance. Go ahead, Diana. <laughs> <laughs> so, at the time of recording this, in the past week, um, there, the first issue of a tie-in comic series to the Arrowverse shows came out, and the first ep- issue was with Batwoman. And it had a guest character who was, happened to be Lena Luthor, and that fandom flocked to the comic, as they do, which is not the issue. The issue comes up in them making one line of dialogue said by Lena that was not spe- specific in any way, shape, or form, completely about their ship, and then taking up space in the fandom and talking over the voices who have already been here, who have like been in this fandom from day one, supporting Ryan Wilder. And I'm not saying it's everyone. Obviously, it's not everyone. But it gets exhausting, especially in the Batwoman fandom, where it is so rare to find a space like this that is just, like, so, so, like... Made for you. Yeah. It's, like, like at every level, like, you can tell, like, from Batwoman's writing room to, like, the faces on the screen to the people in the fandom. Like, you know, those are like black nerds who are here and like very excited about this show that we really haven't gotten at all before. And when the fandom like gets resistant to like the influx of this certain sect, it's because we don't have this space in other places and to see this like one little pocket that we have get invaded it's exhausting to to me it is i understand that certain people may think that they are sharing their excitement with their ship with other people over another ship and don't realize that you're inserting yourself into their space and your ship and your character into a space where you haven't necessarily been invited. And we've got to be more cognizant of just because I like this does not mean it is appropriate for me to insert this into discussions about things other people enjoy. Yeah, and like here's the thing, the the Diana who can like completely separate herself from fandom experience because I had to do that 
to enjoy Supergirl towards the end. That Diana was very excited when she saw Lena appear in the comic. And I, I've seen some people like on the other side of fandom say that Lena took up a lot of space in the comic. And I don't necessarily know if I agree with that, where like they say specifically like, oh, she took space away from Ryan. Because the comic specifically was set during the course of season three. And like from the time like they established that, I understood like, okay, they're not going to be treading any new ground like emotionally or like um, narratively. So like I knew that going in. So I like knew how to temper my expectations. And ultimately like what that part of the comic ended up being for like Ryan specifically was her coming to terms about her choices with Mary and basically stating in like a long monologue a lot of the things that were like unsaid in season three but came out in her actions about being there for Mary and being there for the found family that she has with Mary, Luke, and Sophie. And Lena's purpose there in the comic was a bit of like to help her get there a bit to like give her a summary on crisis and to be like the techie to help um, create a serum to take down Clayface because Clayface is the villain they have they deal with in the comic and I don't think it's like Lena taking away space from Ryan she's there and they do make some like connections like they do parallel her and Ryan and Marcus to Lena and Lex, and they parallel Kara and Lena to Alice and Ryan. Perhaps there's a bit of like tenuous connections there, but like the crossovers always kind of have some tenuous connections because like you got a lot of disparate shows that they're kind of forced to throw together sometimes. So these things happen, and like watching the Arrowverse as long as I have, it's like. I don't really blink at those moments anymore. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, that happened. Moving on, cool. What's the next thing that's going to happen? To me, it was, it. Lena worked in that space because she was kind of a one-woman Swiss Army knife of she filled multiple roles that the little story needed. Her main role was to be, I was a Mary slash Alice. I'm telling you, if you don't give up, it can be fixed which was the big crux of that story of, like you said, Ryan going through these things and saying these things that didn't necessarily make it into the show. Yeah. And that was Lena's purpose of like, I was that person, but Kara was the person that kept coming for me and it will work out in the end. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was the takeaway of the entire issue. And also just like that one thing I liked of Lena being like, well, they don't need the Paragons now. What they need now is you, not Kate. Yep. That was why she was there. She was kind of like an Obi-Wan figure of like, hey, it's going to get better. Just keep going through it. And yep. I don't dislike Lena as a character. I love Lena as a character. I mean, I don't like her in season five, but I overall, I enjoy Lena as a character. We don't like... The character that the fandom has made her out to be. That gets inserted into literally everything at the expense of every other character. Yep. 
that is the thing. Anyways. Yep. So that's, that, that is the space we're giving to that discussion. This, this, if it's too long, didn't listen. If you're trying to come back in, it's stay in your lane, please. And stop shoving your white characters into other fandom spaces that focus on characters that are not white and or interested in your character. So while we're on the comic, I want to like talk a little bit about the second part of that comic, which was like a separate story that was done by Cameron Johnson. I believe he did the writing for it. So that was a story about Luke that revealed he's been dating Stephanie Brown on the lowdown. Can I just say, I cannot say because it's Ramadan and I can't say the F word. (laughs) But F word, yes. Finally, somebody is getting her away from Tim. <laughs> I oh, am yeah. all for Stephanie Brown and Luke. I am all for that. I will be their number one cheerleader. I love Stephanie Brown. I am a Stephanie Brown fangirl. I hate how she's been treated by the DC Comics and that she's always kind of left there begging for scraps of Tim's affection. No, no. She deserves better. (laughs) Luke deserves a girlfriend who is basically the DC equivalent of Kate Bishop, except not rich. (laughs) That is the tenacity she has. Who and she will show up and show up and show up no matter what you do. Luke deserves that. And Kate, sorry, Kate. Wow. Freudian slip there. And Stephanie deserves somebody who will appreciate her. And not beat him. I can't stand him. Can't stand him. I can't stand him, Diana. I feel like you're working through something right now. Anyways, I mean, you, you're the one who brought that up. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm not responsible for doors you open. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, if we get Stephanie in season four, if we get season four, and we get Stephanie in season four with Luke, I would be so happy. I would be so happy. Especially Stephanie following Ryan around everywhere, trying to help. And Ryan not wanting it and then realizing, oh, wait, you're actually quite handy. I would be interested to see where that goes because they've kind of been dabbling in a romance with like Luke and Mary, but they've never like, done anything definitive to say like oh this is going one direction or another i would like i would like luke and stephanie because i see a lot of parallels with ryan and sophie because stephanie is very much like ryan she is from that side of gotham her dad was a criminal her mom for a large part was a drug addict i mean she had a very rough childhood too So Mm -hmm. she, you know, if they borrow that from the comics, like she is very much in line with Ryan of what her mission is, except she's white and doesn't have the added handicap. We should say life handicap in a racist society of being a black woman. (laughs) Yeah. But as far as like motivation, it's like she would very much be with Ryan of people on the streets first. And I would love that for Luke, because as much as like he has come a long way, 
there's still moments where he's very, um, how do I say it without being obnoxious, showing his privilege, I guess, of like never having to think about these things. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that him growing as a character in that area would be with Mary. I think it could be with Stephanie because she is that type of person and he would constantly be being checked on it until he grew to just naturally think about those things. Also, I'm still holding out a little flame for Alice and Mary, even though they have this weird sister vibe. I don't know. <laughs> I just love everything to be sapphic. Um, I, I don't blame you for that. But I'm also just like, I think I more see Luke and Mary as siblings than I did Air- Alice and Mary, if that makes sense. Yeah, I could see that. To me, I just get more of like a sibling vibe, a found sibling vibe. It's the trio of Alice, Luke, and Ryan. Like the chaos triplets <laughs> is the vibe I have from them. And then you've got Sophie in there that's trying to con- desperately to contain all of it. Well, Bless Sophie's her heart. going to have so many gray hairs in a few years. Yeah. So many. <laughs> So I'm to me, like those core three have just this wonderful, like chaos triplet brother, sister, how much trouble can we get into vibe? And, you know, if I wouldn't be upset if they went with Mary and Luke, but I would rather it be Luke and Stephanie. That's just my preference, but I'm not going to like pitch a B word about it. Yeah. Anyways, we've been going on about this for almost an hour. And that's about all the time we have. If you're still listening, we congratulate you. And also thank you because I know we were ping-ponging back and forth all episode. Hope you enjoyed the uh, slightly chaotic twists and turns we took. I hope you enjoyed Batwoman because you listened to an episode about it. If you want to talk more about Batwoman, again, we have a Fundamentals Discord. And it's Discord in the menu ribbon on the top of the site. It'll take you right there. Discord, not community. If you look for community, you're not going to find anything. Diana, thank you for coming and joining me again. Thank you for letting me like talk my heart out about that woman. She says thank you now, but let's see what she says next time I try to get her on the show. <laughs> if we could like talk about that woman again. <laughs> I-, I don't know how. I mean... We'll see what we can do. Maybe I'll just like write some articles. I have the time now. We'll see, we'll see what we can do. Um, anyways, so that's about all the time we have. Again, thank you, Diana, for joining me. Thank all of you who have been tuning in to us for almost five years of Ladies First now, if you can believe it. Almost five years of Ladies First. So thank you thank all of you for listening to us and just those of you who keep showing up even though I may have episodes where I have COVID and I'm not completely with it but you show up anyway and I appreciate you for that (laughs) Uh, Taylor will be with us next month again Uh, we should have a fun episode for you and then also don't forget we have other podcasts one of which Diana also does with me you want to tell them about that one Oh, Diana is also the lead writer for this podcast. We actually have a script and everything. We go for it. Yeah. So we have Cannon Father, which is the equivalent of BuzzFeed Unsolved 
except if everything was actually real and happening. And and it honestly, has chaotic Legends of Tomorrow energy type of friend group feel. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Our, our current story arc has a lot of our characters going through some stuff. So it'll be a great time to like get on and find out who may or may not be kidnapped by a Krampus sometime in the future. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows which character may or may not accidentally give herself a heart attack by consuming too much Red Bull? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows who's being stalked by a vampire? Nobody knows. Well, actually, we know, but we're saying you should tune in to find out. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, that is Cannon Fodder. We have live episodes every other Thursday. And then the weeks we don't have. Yeah, we have Fodder Files where it's kind of like in between um, screenshots of phone shenanigans that they're all getting into that just kind of helps pad out the world. So make sure you tune in on Thursdays for Cannon Fodder. We also have beneath the screen of the Ultra Critics, we have our anime attache. It's every Wednesday. Uh, Right now, they're still reviewing Cowboy Bebop. We also have All Bark, No Dice. The new season just started. We have That's Haram, which is on a hiatus, but will be coming back soon because there are so many Haram things that are going to be coming out about Miss Marvel. Yeah, you don't want to miss that this summer. We also have Sartorial Splendor, Fae Forge every Friday. And that is our TTRPG live play. Also highly recommend you guys check that out. It's very good group of people. Very awesome. Putting out some incredible content every week. And they do a lot of really good fandom charity work as well. So check them out if you haven't already. Diana, did I say all the podcasts? I think so. I think I did. I hope I did. I feel like I'm forgetting somebody, but I can't think of who I might be forgetting. Oh, well, they'll tell me later. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's all the time we have. Thanks again for tuning in this month. We will catch you in May.